guys, thank you for listening to this week's episode and for joining us again. I'm here this week with Erica Suter, is that <laughs> and she is a strength and conditioning coach and a soccer coach, uh, I believe, U.S. Soccer Level C and a CSCS, USAW, whole alphabet soup situation, just like we love. She also played at Johns Hopkins University um, and has played semi-pro in the States and also internationally. So, Erica, thanks so much for joining us, and if you wouldn't mind telling us who you are, what we should know about you, I would love that. Yeah, well, that was a great inter- introduction. Um, <laughs> we'll, we'll probably get more into what I do, but yeah, I've been um, a strength coach and a soccer coach for almost six years now, okay. and um, I mainly work with younger kids, so ages seven to college level, uh, but my main focus is on like the middle school age group, so I get a lot of like 10 to 15-year-old boys and girls who are in their like years of growing and just trying to feel their bodies out and figure out what they're capable of, so it's been a really cool group to focus on because there's a, a lot going on in terms of performance and, and injury prevention so it's it's nice that I'm able to play a part in in the start of their athletic journeys <laughs> yeah definitely I think being a youth coach and especially a youth strength coach tends to be really um underrated so to speak it's one of the parts that isn't really oversaturated because it's, you tend to get a lot of volunteers when they're really young especially until they're like 10 or 12 and then people want to specialize so then they'll hire maybe more professional coaches but that's such a cool market do you find that it's kind of untapped or it's new or are people open to it what's your experience with it um I think you know I think there's some really great youth strength coaches out there that I'm starting to become more aware of just as I'm you know more in this industry and kind of following people who are in my niche so that I can connect and get ideas from them so I think there's definitely like a great number of coaches available but I just don't think like parents or even like team coaches are aware that there are like I don't want to say like smart people out there but like people who will like truly take care of these kids and um, treat them with great care in the weight room or on the field and who really kind of work under that long-term athletic development model Um, and and with these young kids like it is long term they are they are in it for the long haul it's not like they're going to come to me at age 10 and get faster overnight like this is going to be a process and we want it done effectively and safely yeah so do you ever find it hard to kind of sell parents on the concept of this might not you won't see a performance increment maybe in two weeks we're going to need to work over a period of sessions do you ever have trouble with that or what's been your experience with working with parents um that's a good question um I'd say like keeping the parents at bay is like a separate job Um, (laughs) but no no I I love love the parents of the kids I work with um I think yeah there there will be um a lot of parents who I've, I've known for several years I've been working with their kids since a very young age and and they understand the process and they've kind of just like bought into like that trust in the strength coach um but like every now and then just just like any any coaching job you'll get like parents who I guess aren't as informed as other ones and they might be wanting those quick results and be putting like a, a lot of pressure on their kid and these are usually the parents that are like 
the ones living vicariously through their kid. Like they want everything now. They want them to be the next superstar. Um, So with them, like I just try to be as informative as possible. Um, But if they're not budging, then that's someone that I don't typically work with anyway because they don't align with my values and my philosophy as a coach. So they could find someone else who's going to be, who's going to promise that quick fix, but physiologically it doesn't really exist yeah and then they're going to be disappointed and want their money back so <laughs> yeah I just try to be as tra- as transparent as possible uh now like if someone's like yeah like they need to uh, my kid needs to improve their gait pattern I'm like well that's gonna take several months maybe even a couple years until they mature into you know being a 15 year old um so it's, again, it's just really informing those parents and just having an honest conversation. So how did you come into this position? I mean, I know you from your from Twitter, first of all, and then from Instagram, and you have a pretty well-developed social media presence, but you also have like a full website. You, you write for, I know, Stack, I think also Women's Fitness, a couple other ones. How did you kind of come into I am Erica Suter, this I am the female strength coach? It, it all started just at age five when I started playing soccer. So I've just been such a, a passionate um, player of the game. Um, I think when I ended my college career, when I stopped playing semi-pro in the U.S. and Brazil, I like, I like teaching, I like sharing, I like working with kids. Um, I love fitness and living a healthy lifestyle and kind of just wanted to continue on that path and and share um, just my passions for it. And I started out doing private technical training and it, it kind of just started with like one client and then it, it grew from there. And I've been pretty grateful to have um, the opportunities I've had and to work with all the players and teams I've been able to work with. Um, again, it definitely hasn't happened overnight. So yeah. <laughs> coming back to that, that long process. It's a little um, elbow grease and sleepless nights. So yeah, yeah, it's taken several years. <laughs> and then as far as the writing component, I, I love writing. I feel very in the moment when I do it. So it, it comes easy for me to write about topics that I'm passionate about. Um, so that has just kind of opened this can of worms of like writing for other publications yeah. and putting out other content, which has been so cool. Give your ideas out for free and it's amazing what comes back to you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's funny because like, I think like when a lot of people like get into blogging, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but they had this idea, oh, I'm going to make like money as a blogger. But like that never was one of my goals. I actually was aware I'd be making like negative money. <laughs> like You're paying to have your site put up and then like your articles are free. So you're like losing money actually. <laughs> like mathematically, what is less than zero? <laughs> Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but I, I, I stick with it because I really enjoy writing. Like, um, so yeah. <laughs> well, I read one of your articles that was about. Um, I've read many of your articles, but one specifically that was about um, writing like it's conversation. I think you and I talked about that a couple of weeks ago as well. Like, we tend to come out, especially those of us who have been in academia all our lives, and start pontificating in these blog posts, especially in sports science, and we're like you know, and this, and business, and blah, 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 and, like, who wants to read these giant blocks of text, <laughs> like, yes, it's yeah. not realistic, we don't even coach like that, so whether you're trying to talk to other coaches, whether you're trying to talk to 
students, athletes, whatever. You, we never talk to them like that. I mean, we talk to them like human beings. So what, unless it's strictly in academia, why do we write like that? It's not understandable or comprehensible. It doesn't make us any better to use big words. It's kind of annoying to open the source anyway. <laughs> especially soccer tends to be very male dominant. I know in the States women's soccer is a little bit different, but um, how do you kind of approach that? Have you I've enjoyed being a female coach. Um, and I think like the main problem I run into is with like coaching girls, mm-hmm. like a lot of their coaches are like, Oh, well you're a female and you like understand like the anatomy of the female. And, and like, yes, that's true. But like, I feel it shouldn't be like exclusive to a female coach. Like I think there's some great male coaches out there who understand the female anatomy. They have to do their strength coaches. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of like a problem like that I run into, like um, not to take away from what I know, but like it's, I, I don't think it like, really matters if you're like male or female like if you're a good strength coach you're a good strength coach um I actually and I've been working with a lot of boys soccer players um in the past year and that's been really great um especially in like the performance side because they like they really like are bought into like getting strong and they want feedback and they like really want to perform well so that's just been like an interesting population to work with and I've truly enjoyed that um so again I just I think like coaching boys and girls is is there's both pros and cons yeah and there's good male strength coaches and and bad male strength coaches and definitely bad female strength coaches and good female strength coaches there's do you feel like there's like a lack of female coaches in the industry and like why don't females get into coaching like I don't understand that yeah I don't either I think maybe it's I mean especially a lot of us who competed most of the female strength coaches I know were athletes before so we're used to like the grunting competitive like I will sweat harder than you any day of the week kind of mentality so we don't mind I mean being a strength coach you know unless you're like Mike Boyle or something or Dan John isn't super glamorous (laughs) so Right. I don't think right. it's maybe so. Yeah, I don't know. It's I'm just so interested by it. So I love asking other 
other female strength coaches like, yo, what's up with this? And in Germany, yeah. it's almost none. I mean, there's almost no female athletic trainers. There's no female strength coaches that I personally know of in Germany. Um, yeah. And sports scientists, you do not oh, see, yeah. like, many. I, I mean, Dawn Scott for the U.S. National is yeah. amazing. But I don't really know of that many other female sports scientists. And I think, like, they'd be really great at it. So yeah. it's, it's interesting. And it, it's crazy because in the U.S. there's so many women who are good, good at soccer, good athletes. And then they yeah. just, like go on to work another job, which is fine, but, like, I just don't get it, you know? <laughs> I know. It's, like, it's interesting. Like, yeah, like, you you posted today, like, it doesn't, you know, a great athlete isn't always going to be a great coach. The reverse is also yeah. true. A great coach wasn't always a great athlete, but you would think that it's probably more than 1% of ex-athletes are probably great coaches. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and if you're a good athlete and you start, you start getting into coaching, like, you might not be like that good in your first couple of years, but like the more you do it, like you learn and you get better. And I think it's good to have a coach who was a good athlete and who yeah. went through the system and knows the game well. Um, so it is very, it's an interesting conversation and it's definitely a mystery. <laughs> yeah, it is definitely a mystery. Have you, leave it at that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> this is what I call the, the bro versus pro respect. So you started working with, with boys. Now, I have had the experience where when I start working with boys, I am presented, or athletes in general, I'm presented with two options. I could gain respect immediately as the bro, or I could wait it out and stick it out and gain respect as the pro, basically like the coach's respect, like the professional, I'm running the session, those kinds of things. Or I could come right in and be like, yo, what's up, my man, and basically gain respect right out the gate. And they'll still listen to me, but like kind of if you get what I mean. So have yeah. you had any experience with yeah. that and how do you go about establishing yourself and gaining respect? Um, I just don't smile. <laughs> <laughs> oh. um, so resting in this face life. So. Yeah, yeah. I actually, yeah, I kind of, I look back and when I like started training like my first couple boys teams, I just, I just had a very like me straight face. <laughs> um, and I think they knew like I was pretty serious about it. But like, I also try to relate to them as much as possible. And um, when they know I'm a soccer player, um, I played at a high level. I like to watch a lot of soccer. I can talk to them about that. Then they can kind of relate to me more and be like, oh, she like understands like what we need. So I think again, it's just like establishing that trust and being um, professional about it. And just, um, but also like being yourself. I'll still, you know, joke and have fun but at the end of the day like we're there to get better so it's funny because like I have this like one boy who will like always ask me like these questions about like lifting and stuff and then I'll just like say like a something that's a complete joke with like a serious face and he's like wait are you serious I'm like, no, no. <laughs> like it's all like worried I'm like no you're good <laughs> so it's been fun that's awesome so you place a lot of value on position specific training uh in soccer specifically so let's talk about that a little bit i want your thoughts and if you could generally explain that and then let's dive into how we could do a better job of implementing that as strength coaches because that's kind of the third level that we don't really touch we're great at gpp we're great at soccer specific or getting better at soccer specific i should say but position specific isn't really there I haven't implemented like too much 
position specific recently. It's been more like athlete specific. Okay. So like as an example, I may have like an outside midfielder who is already fast. They already have great speed endurance, but they're not as strong yet. Mm-hmm. So we're going to focus more on gaining strength. Whereas like most people would be like, Oh, well our left mid our like left and right midfielders should be like, do, like running and doing endurance and like acceleration. But like, Hey, if like someone's already like fast as hell and th- they might be on like the weaker side and getting pushed off the ball, then we're going to focus on strength. Right. Um, it's very hard, especially, um, being like a private contractor and not working for like a professional club, but like it's hard to like fit it into that like like that group based setting. Yeah. Like I customize programs, but at the same time we're only allowed like a limited amount of time. I try to figure out what everyone needs the most and we do that. Okay. Um, so that's that's kind of how I have approached it is look at the athlete more than the position. White Lion's kind of motto is adaptable realism. Like, one thing that Don Scott really taught me is science is awesome, but you really can't do everything. Just realistically, you will not be able to do everything. Especially in pro life. I mean, we like to think optimal training environments, but first of all, women's soccer doesn't have money in most places. Uh, Travel schedules, facilities, time in general, energy, accumulated volume, and fatigue. I mean, it's just not realistic. We don't have the optimal training environments 99% of the time. What you were saying, I like that little bit more athlete specific you got to kind of go with the majority (laughs) what do the most people here need let's do that right now (laughs) yeah yeah and um yeah I think like Don Scott makes such a good point like you can have everything you need or like all these awesome ideas about high performance but it's like what resources do you have what what time do you have and like how are you gonna optimize that yeah. Honestly, I think the best thing for these athletes is really consistency. Like, yeah. you can be on any program, but, like, it has to be done consistently. Otherwise, it's not going to work. Yeah. You know, when it comes to, like, things like nutrition and managing stress, like, yeah, those are all great things. There's so much science behind them, but it's, like, how do you, like, go about executing that with – uh, a youth athlete or or can, or is it even feasible like given their rigorous school schedule their soccer schedule and then other sports come into play so it's like and the you fact know, that how their parents you... ultimately make all the decisions <laughs> yeah exactly um so like I think one thing I've like tried to live by like in the past year is like if I have athletes for just an hour like I'm gonna figure out what they need the most in that week depending on their schedule Um, and how they're feeling and we're gonna do that I like I'll have my programs designed but then I'm just like crossing everything out and like (laughs) redoing stuff (laughs) so give me 30 seconds yeah (laughs) (laughs) on the fly (laughs) the best coaches fly by the seat of their pants sometimes (laughs) yeah yeah that's so true though (laughs) oh my gosh the most adaptable make the best sometimes now you also work with John, John Hopkins women's soccer, is that private or uh, are you working with their team specifically or what have you got? Um, so I, I don't work with them anymore. Okay. Um, I used to work with them in the weight room, okay. but this year I've just been focusing mainly on that, that middle and high school age group. Okay. So tell us a little bit about 
my big pet peeve is strength and conditioning getting thrown out of the window and in-season training uh, and kind of fighting for that um, mm. because I tend to get recognized again when athletes start tearing hamstrings <laughs> or, you know, the first time tendonitis or knee injuries or something like that come, come up, then we strength and conditioning department tends to get a phone call. Um, how, what's your experience with high school athletes and strength and conditioning in season? So ideally, uh, for middle school and high school athletes, I try to see them one to two times a week. I mean, one, one, one is better than nothing. Um, but two times is, is ideal. But again, like these kids are all practicing like three times a week and then they have one or two games on the weekend. So I think like even just one time is a win because maybe that could be like recovery work or like an activation workout where, you know, we're tight, we're, um, activating muscles that are weak, like the hip flexors or hip extensors, the core, et cetera. Um, or we're doing like upper body work, but I think like one to two times, if you can get them, that's, that's perfect. Okay. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. That's always frustrating to me because I would so much rather, you know, be able to have them again, like you said, like two times a week would be ideal. Three times a week would be great to actually bring them through like a recovery workout and then (laughs) supplementary workout and then speed, like whatever we've got to do. I would love to have them more often, but I'm lucky if I get them once and I'll do the best I can. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Um, and I think like we also should recognize that we aren't working, um, at the professional level. Mm -hmm. Um, like those guys have, you know, the facilities right there and they can just walk to them after practice or before practice. So like, they're like making their in-season workouts more. Whereas like these kids are like driving maybe an hour to a facility and trying to get their homework done or like things come up. And like, again, it's just making the most out of the time that you do get them in there. Yeah, definitely. Do you have any mentors in the field, any people you specifically worked with or anybody even distantly who's impacted your work? My, I think my biggest inspiration for doing all this was um, my female coach. Um, she was like my skills trainer um, okay. when I was in high school and she played division one and professionally and she was just like super inspiring and just really um, instilled this, this work ethic in me and, she just changed the game for me and and she made me want to get into coaching and and train other people and do like technical stuff as well but what I love most about her was like her sessions were just like so simple like and and I know we're talking more about like strength training but like since I also do skills training I've just found that like nowadays skills training is so complicated like I'm sure you see the people on Instagram like with a ball and there's like 10 pieces of a we don't need all of this stuff like we just need the ball the goal and maybe some cones yeah like and some defensive pressure yep um so like going back to my trainer like she just kept it simple like we would do like 1v1s for an hour and like shit I got confident 1v1s like it was simple but like so effective and like that really has inspired me to like rethink like how I train people like on the field yeah yeah, that's awesome. And who who was this? I know she played pro. Where did she play? Um, her name was Laurie Shoy. She played at UNC. Yeah. Wow. So and then she played 
uh, it was like the first professional, like the inaugural women's professional league. WUSA. Um, <laughs> yep, she played in that first year. Um, so yeah, she was she was awesome. She was a badass. <laughs> wow. That's really cool. Um, I live literally right across from the um, the DFB Trainer Academy and the, oh, okay. the Olympic Committee here in Germany. So I'm always around people who are related to the DFB and still even watching there, like when when players come in and, and hire private coaches and they're doing skills training, it's like, I know you play on a national level, but like I've watched you play and I think foundations are still best. <laughs> like like yeah, there's no point in a game where you're going to be doing this. <laughs> so. No, it's so true. It's like, it, it's almost like disappointing. I mean, like if you play at that high of a level, like, I think, you know, you need to understand, like, what the demands of the game are and, like, what, like, a youth athlete would need. Yeah. And, and I'm not saying, like, I know everything about skills training, but I'm, these are just things I'm, like, noticing, and I'm like, shit, like, I really need to, like, analyze the game and, like, watch, like, what is going on because, like, yeah, like, all these, like, ball mastery touches are great, but, like, soccer is really, like, one and two touch moving off the ball quick yeah like so it, it's just like made me like rethink and, and try to come up with better ways because I'm always trying to like improve um so it yeah so how have you seen basically the technical and tactical side of soccer develop in the last let's say five years because that's when I've been really paying attention to that part <laughs> um how have you seen that developing recently? I mean, it seems to me, I mean, I was back in WUSA days as well, but also the German to American perspective, it's way faster. It's way more athletic. We're doing a lot more stuff um, with different parts of the body and not just the feet or the head like Abby Lombeck. Um, how have you seen the development and where do you expect it to go? Well, yeah, I definitely think the game has become a lot faster. Players are becoming a lot more um, athletic and strong like, technically, like, I mean, there is, like, more creativity um, and, like, 1v1 uh, situations happening. So I think just, the like, the speed of the play is just going to keep rising. I think, it, like, tactically, like, defensive players are getting forward more and there's more demands there. Um, so, yeah, the, I, that makes the fitness component a lot more important. Yeah. <laughs> Now we're actually hiring strength and conditioning coaches. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we're happen. like, oh gosh, like our wingers need to pick it up. Like they need to be fast. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, all right, so let's talk trash. What's your What's your national team for men's and women's if they're different? What's your club team and what's your USA team? Well, I'm Dutch, so the Netherlands for like just all around but like listen to this god damn <laughs> but no i know <laughs> but i am very disappointed with the dutch men's team I, they're just rebuilding they're young whatever yeah. so this world cup i will cheer for germany because i have family in germany and i mean i love the way they play like i can't like i can't ignore good soccer yeah. you know it's true um but, hey, I would also love to maybe see an African team win the World Cup. Yes. I think that would be awesome. Or yeah. even, like, a South American team. Yeah. Like, if you're, if they're, as long as they're playing good soccer, like, that's awesome. One of um, my favorite matchups is actually Germany versus the Ivory Coast. I love watching the Ivory Coast play. Oh, like, the Ivory Coast is great. That's going to oh, be yeah. a good game. Oh, yeah. Totally. Yeah, that will, be, that will be very good. And Algeria is like, always Germany. good. Like, 
Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be it's going to be a, a good World Cup. Um my I'm going to say like I'm going to hate on Spain. I just don't I don't like watching Spain and like me neither. I'm yes, they like they can pass the ball like but for me there's just no excitement. Yeah. Cuz like Germany like builds from the back. They attack like it's it's different. <laughs> I'll never forget that first year when when um, Manuel Neuer. When was that? Two thousand ten, when Manuel Neuer started actually pushing up and like standing at the halfway, it, like at midfield, and we were just like, yeah, so, yeah. like so, like what? <laughs> What's going on? Yeah, right. <laughs> the next day, everybody's like, Manuel Neuer changes goalkeeping forever, and he's still doing that. I mean, how many penalty kicks has he scored? <laughs> oh my god! I know. <laughs> I amazing. know. It'll be it'll be a good World Cup. Um, I think like anyone anyone could win it. We'll, we'll see. Yeah. Do you have any tips? Who's gonna take it all? I, I don't know. I think um, I think Germany does have a good chance, and I'm not just saying that because I'm on this podcast. Like I think <laughs> they they have a they have a good chance. Um, so yeah, shout out to Germany. Word. <laughs> I uh, I'm really keeping my eyes on Brazil. I know they're gonna come back furious. Um, yes. You can yes. never really count out Spain. You can never count out Portugal. I mean, right now they're European champions as well. I too would really love to see an African team make it at least to to the semifinals, if not take the whole thing. I think that would be so cool. Um, but yeah, outside of that, slim pickings. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> I mean, well, the American so men, like of- honestly. <laughs> I know it, it. It like really sucks because like. In the U.S., like, the president of the Federation has changed, and all this shit's going on, and everyone's like, there's such a problem with U.S. soccer, and as soon as, like, the men do bad, everyone's like, oh my god, like, there's problems everywhere, which, okay, yeah, I I guess, but, like, we just, I don't know, I think we have potential, but, I mean, I clearly can't solve U.S. soccer's problems. Yeah. <laughs> Well, Christian Pulisic also camps, so if that makes you feel any better. <laughs> That's true, yeah. He plays true. like one hour north of me in Dortmund, and they are obviously still obsessed with him, but he, even a one-star can't fix a team that's mediocre, so. I, I agree. you got to be stacked like Germany. I'm sorry, you just can't compete. <laughs> like, yeah, you can't. We have eight Germany people at camp stacked. for every position. <laughs> like, yeah, no, it's so true, even on the bench. It's true, yeah. It's always interesting to see who, who um, Yogi picks for for tournaments because it's so. It must be so difficult. Yeah. Oh yeah. So, but I have what to congratulate Spain? you for the women, the Dutch women, winning winning the European Championships. Well deserved. Uh, like yeah. Martins is really amazing. You got some really amazing players over there. So, congrats. <laughs> yes. Yes, they did awesome. A petty um, congratulations to you. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um. Who's your favorite all-time male or female? Top, give me top three of each if you have them. Oh, this is such a great question and super exciting. Um, I loved uh, Christine Lilly yes. from the U.S. We back stand in a the legend 90s. who lives forever. <laughs> yeah, yeah, she was an amazing winger. Um, oh my God. So her and her men's. Oh my God, <laughs> that is hard. Um, I I'll always love Robin. Yeah. I mean, he, I'm a left footer. He's a left footer. And I just, I love him. He's fast. Like, he's he's great. He will always be able to score that one goal. You know he's going to do it, but he will always be able to score it. 
Amazing. I know, and everyone knows he's going left-footed, and he still go. He still gets it. Yeah, I'm gonna be so sad when he leaves Bayern. He's just has oh, I been know, there. I know. I was so sad that he didn't play in the game. I mean, he was hurt. Like I they know. could have won that game if he was on. They should have won that game anyway. So I know, like way too many shots on goal. I I was pissed. Listen, my hatred for Cristiano Ronaldo knows no bounds, and it's not because he's bad. I just he always comes for my team, and I disapprove. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I don't respect that. <laughs> if you could travel back in time and meet uh, or go to any tournament, what what would it be? Ooh, um, I I really wish I could have gone to the Brazil World Cup. Yeah. Okay. That I because I, I used to live in Brazil and like to be there for a soccer tournament would just be such a cool environment because even when a soccer tournament's not happening down there it's crazy but like i can't even imagine what that world cup was like Um, and there were some great games so yeah i would definitely say brazil yes that brazil germany game was the best game i've ever seen in my life (laughs) oh that game was nuts that game was nuts (laughs) talk about actual armageddon like i walked into the kitchen three i think it was like three to five minutes in and I hear the whole country screaming out of their windows, and I was like, what? And then they did it again two minutes later. I was like, I'm making food. Like, this shouldn't be happening. Why are we yelling? <laughs> yeah. I actually, so I, I started that game, and I actually, like, fell asleep. I took a nap on my couch, and I wake up 15 minutes later in the first half, and it's 3 nothing Germany. I'm like, what the hell just happened here? <laughs> like, I had to do, asleep. like, a triple take at the time. <laughs> It was crazy, but yeah, that was such, that game was ridiculous, and I was happy for Germany, but like, Brazil, man, you're, this is your country, you're in your own country, that is. Yes, <laughs> yeah, the commentator on the um, CDF, the German sports station, uh, when Brazil scored the one, he goes, oh, thank God. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. 7-0 would be too much. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, so kind of moving out of soccer again and into our speed round, um, what to you is the difference between good and great, or is there a difference? I, I think good is just kind of you're settling and just going through the motions, whereas great, you're you're taking initiative to to level up, whether that's as like an athlete or a human being or a working professional. You're just kind of looking at yourself and like, okay, like where can I improve? Like, uh, what are some things I can become more aware of to to get better? Yeah, self-awareness and initiative are huge. I wish all yeah. the athletes had that. Yeah. <laughs> What's the last thing you really geeked out on? And it doesn't have to be anything sports-related. It could be, like, an app on your phone or, like, a haircut or something like this. But what have you just, like, what are you just obsessed with right now? Gosh, well, I mean, this this is a stupid answer, but I'm, I'm obsessed with writing. I, like, okay. I, it's, it's crazy. Like, I, every day I wake up, I'm like, oh, my gosh, I need to write an article, like, and I'm never like short of ideas, so I'm always like inspired by something. Um, and I think it's a good a good thing to be obsessed with. <laughs> yeah, definitely, especially because it's related to work. So even if it's negative yeah, dollars, exactly. it's still cool. <laughs> what process do you use to make decisions? And this could again be in work or otherwise. Um. Well, I uh, drink a glass of wine and then. <laughs> <laughs> no, <laughs> just being honest, like. <laughs> I think just what's in 
in my my best interest and well depending on like what the decision is like I have to like think about like everyone's best interest but like if it's like a personal issue I have to be like okay is this like gonna hurt me or is it gonna benefit me yeah um so it depends on like what what kind of decision I'm making but like yeah just like best interest yeah I know you're really strong especially with clients on on aligning with your values like not doing things that you basically can't line up with so yeah definitely I think just kind of remembering like who you are and what you believe in should guide most of your decisions (laughs) definitely what's one book you think everybody should read I think everyone should read the book Man's Search for Meaning okay Um, oh it's amazing it's about a guy who was a prisoner uh in World War II and he he was in a holocaust camp and he basically found happiness even though it was a nightmare of a situation he just like made everyday count and just like lived through love and it's just like such a cool story because like it it makes you realize that like your problems in life like aren't that bad but like when they are like you can always find like the silver lining so it's a truly inspiring book it definitely changed changed my life wow that's cool all right, so if you could tell your, your 20-year-old self anything at the beginning of your coaching career, what would it be? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> That's tough. <laughs> I, I would tell my, my younger self starting in my, my first year to just be patient, like, chill out. Like, none of, none of this, like, is going to happen overnight. Like, tra- training clients, uh, doing, like, coaching education, like, everything – you know, in your career, like it doesn't happen overnight. It's just kind of like a long organic process that um, just kind of happens. And each day you're open to more opportunities and new ways of thinking. So again, just it really embrace the process to not expect too much to happen quickly. That's, that's great advice applicable to every part of life, no matter where we are and how yes. it is. <laughs> yes. Athletes, athletes. <laughs> Shout out to you just starting college athletes. (laughs) Listen to that. Yeah. (laughs) So where can you imagine yourself in a decade? Do you think you'll still be in the industry, doing something different? What can you see yourself doing coming up? I I know I'll always be involved in coaching, Mm -hmm. but I think I I have aspirations to kind of get to, like, more of, like, the sports science side of things. Okay. But to execute that in the private sector is a little bit harder because you need to have, like, the funding for, like, the technology and all that. So, like, right now, like, I'm just kind of like, all right, like, it'll happen when it happens. But I have this idea and we'll see where it goes. But I'll always be in coaching, youth fitness. Who, who knows? Maybe I'll be a PE teacher in 10 years. I, I don't know. And that would be great. That's yeah. the excitement of it, right? <laughs> you never know. <laughs> you never know. So are you interested in like the analytics or assessment aspect of sports science or research specifically, or what can you see yourself doing there? I'm more interested in, yeah, like the analytics and like the periodization, okay. um, how to plan a training week based on what happened during the weekend. And I think it's like definitely growing in the youth realm, but I think more of like the, the means and like, the high school age um I know like the Philadelphia Union and maybe like DC United Boys have it but it's again it's just like a slow process getting like coaches youth coaches on board with uh, all this technology 
Yeah, big times. And now, have you? Did you read last week about the U.S. Soccer just um, initiating their first bio banding trial? I did. <laughs> what do you think about that? Oh my gosh! Yeah, I've had a ton of conversations about this in the past couple weeks. I um, I think it's good. I I think it's a good idea in theory, but it's like, how is U.S. Soccer going to implement it? Yeah. Like at the club level. Uh, the academy level, like, how, like, is each club going to have to hire, like, a sports scientist who, like, gets the height of every kid and, like, does all these measurements? Like, how are we going to actually, like, implement this and have, like, money for it, I guess? Yeah. Because, like, you would need to hire, you would need to hire, like, a professional at each, like, state club to do it, right? Yeah, you have to have a professional, which I think would be great if all the clubs had, you know, a sports scientist and a psychologist and many athletic trainers and all of those things. It would be great if our staffs were more thorough yeah if our funding went there and also to assessment I think that's great but I almost I think biobanding is amazing in concept and I'll be interested to see where it goes but my worry is that we're gonna rely on this so much and then the coaches are gonna start neglecting like it could basically lead to bad coaching as you know a compensation for oh we have this cool tool yeah, yeah, it will be very, very interesting to see. But I think, like, the reason U.S. soccer started biobanding was because they felt like the slow-maturing kids, like the short kids, like the not-as-strong kids were getting overlooked. But I don't necessarily agree with that. Like, I think, like, sometimes the late matures are, like, the most technical and, like, they're great on the ball. And, like, I don't yeah. think coaches are overlooking them for bigger and stronger players. Hey, and if, like, the bigger, stronger players need more of a challenge, then they can go play up. Like, I don't think – I don't know. It'll be interesting to see what happens. Like, I think it's a great idea, and I'm sure they put a lot of work in, and I respect that, but we'll see what happens. I feel like that's what we always say. Great idea. Hope you don't abuse it. (laughs) Like, Yeah, yeah. We will let it play out. (laughs) Yeah, we're going to hold our tongues for a bit before. (laughs) Yeah. All right, so where can we all find you um, online? Where can people find you in person? What's your social media handles? All right, so my my website is ericasuter.com, and then all my social media handles, um, Instagram and Twitter, are fitsoccerqueen. Yes. Um, <laughs> yes. Um, Finally. Yeah. She graduated. I feel like I'm, like, annoying people with the um, – the queen emoji but I'm obsessed with it so like deal with it <laughs> and whatever like it is what it is <laughs> I mean I'd honestly put Beyonce next to my name if I had a Beyonce emoji so <laughs> there you go I think everyone has their favorite emoji and like that's okay but yeah fit soccer queen is where you can find me and then in person if you're ever in Baltimore let me know <laughs> yes I, I definitely value um meeting up with people and making connections in the industry and meeting awesome coaches. So yeah, hit me up if you're in Baltimore. Yes. I will put all of those links down in the description of the podcast. So guys, if you're listening, you can just scroll back to the page and click on it and all of her info are there. She's also on my page. I've tagged her in a couple of things. So you can definitely find her on Instagram and also Twitter. She's very active there. Um, Also her blog is pretty lit. If you need some uh, (laughs) profane inspiration, it's pretty fantastic. That's awesome. <laughs> uh, also very active on LinkedIn, which is cool because um, I'm really big into LinkedIn content. I think that's going to be a really cool place in the next couple of years. Um, yes. Professionally. Yep. So. 
And I look forward to meeting up with you next time I'm in D.C. I'm just going to take a trip north to Baltimore, and we'll have to, like, go watch some soccer and drink wine. Yeah, if you're, hey, are you coming in for World Cup? I will be here for the World Cup, and I think in end of August, I'll be back in D.C., so I just figured. Okay. Yeah. yeah, let me know. There's always some fall ball to be had starting in August time, August, September, so in Germany and the U.S. We have to get back to number two in the world, though, so I need to hold my tongue real quick. Yeah, you do. You know, um, <clears throat> we lost our legends a bit ago, and we really haven't even come to play since. So. <laughs> That's what you do and what happens when you treat people badly. All right, I'm off my high horse now. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> All right, thank you so, so much for joining us. I had a great time talking to you, and I look forward to more collabs in the future. I'm sure we will because sports science. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Soccer queens. Soccer queens. We already know. I gotta think of a name for this episode. It's gonna be absurd. Armageddon. Armageddon. I can't wait. (laughs) (laughs) Alright, thanks again.